I shouldn't even preach with that reaction to the video. You know, man, I'm so thankful some days that God gave us the gift of laughter. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? Man, well, I'm glad that some of, uh, some of some people have chosen to join us today as our guests, and I want to say welcome to Connection. My name is Matt. If it's your first time or your thousandth time with Connection, we want you to, I, want, I, I talked about this this week with someone. This is a family. This is a family. Connection is not a place. Connection is not a place. Connection is a way of life. It's a, it's a, it's a way of thinking, taking God and His Word at His truth, and applying it in our community and those communities around us, and loving people because God loved us. You're sitting beside some, hey, if it's your first time here, I want to give you a warning. You're sitting beside some people that may or may not, probably not, have it all together in their life. I want you to understand that we're broken people here. We understand that sin in Genesis chapter 3 caused the whole machine called earth to break. Even the ground is cursed, by the way. Sin causes problems. But at Connection, we seek to do this. We seek, and we're seeking this month to be courageous. And I I love that video clip. I probably watched that 10 or 15 times at my house, and no, it does not get any less funny, okay? It gets more funny, funnier. I taught PE, not English. Okay. So here's the deal. Connection on the fourth Sunday of the month, we we have an offering. It's called Touch Someone's Life Gift. Please, please, please. If you are a first-time visitor to Connection or you do not call Connection your home church, this isn't for you. Please just watch. And I want to show you. Maybe there's something you can take back to your church wherever you go. But this is an offering that we take. And, and Connection is a little bit different. If you walked in and saw popcorn and coffee, you think, man, this may be different. Wait till we get into the today. It's going to be a little bit different. There's going to be some people that are going to pass some popcorn bags around in a little bit. Popcorn bags. Yeah, popcorn bags, Okay. I started off, we've given away over, over $10,000 in the last couple of years, and this is what we do. We ask for nickels and dimes and pennies from our people. From our people, okay? This is a connection thing. You're not required to give anything. We're just asking for change. And at the very end of the offering, they, the, some people in the lead team will take it back and they'll count it. And this is the fun part, the fun part, the fun part for me because... You, I get to watch you guys get, like, anxious. At the end of the sermon, you, you guys know this, if you're from Connection, and I get, I'm going to give those bags to some people out here in a little bitty slip of paper with some instructions, and they're to go out and to give this money away. To give, just to give it away. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why do you give money away? Every, I don't know about you, everybody uses it. And it's a way that we can give to other people. We just trust God with this. And here's, here's another thing that's going to be different. You guys can go ahead and start taking the offering if you want. I want you to listen to me. If, I don't care if it's your first time or your, or, your, or your thousandth time with Connection and you've never missed a Sunday. Here's the deal. If God has placed you in this church service right now, our church has decided that this money is God's. If it passes by you and you say, hey, I need 10 bucks to make another water payment. I need, I need something for groceries. It's going to seem a little bit weird to you, but I want you to get in one of those bags that goes by you and I want you to take out what you need. I'm dead serious. We, we at Connection decided, we, we sought through God's guidance that this money be used to honor God. It's not ours. We're not going to put rules on it. So if that comes by, you feel okay and comfortable. 
Okay? Nobody's going to look at you different. We want you to. If it's something that you need, go ahead. As they continue this offering, I want to I want to give you a little bit of background. If you haven't been with us all month of June, we have been looking at the movie Courageous. And the very first Sunday in June, we looked at God's courageous call on our life. And we realized that God for every person that follows him, for every per- God wants everybody to follow him, but everybody that digs in and wants to become a follower of God is a follower of God. God has a courageous call on their life. Call to do things Call to meet people. Call to do your job to the best of your ability. And the second week, God's courageous call to lead. To lead your house. To lead your family. To lead out in your job. To do your job as the best you can. To lead, to set that example, to go out. But God says, you are, in the Bible, it calls followers of Jesus, it calls them peculiar. It means different, not the same. And God is calling us to lead a life. And I, I said this in the, in the sermon, what if you could ask somebody outside your family if they could look at you and just see, just by the way that you act, what you say, could they tell that you're a follower of Christ? That's what we wanted to get to, that we lead unashamedly. And last week we celebrated Father's Day. God's courageous call to be the man. To lead. To literally and spiritually to stand here and to put our families behind us and to follow God and to be the man. I want to thank some of you. I, I gave you a really tough challenge last week to some of, the, some of the guys in here. And I said, if you are willing to pray that prayer and you're willing to live your courageous life and be the man that God has called you to be, I want you to, first of all, I want you to ask God. I want you to tell God in that prayer that we did. And then I want you to do something outside the box. I want you to come and tell me, not because I need to know, but so I can pray for you. It wasn't a public thing. Listen, I had guys come up to me, very emotional, and they said, listen, I've been living like I shouldn't live for a long time. God has called me to be so much more, and I want to do it, and I want you to pray for me. Holy cow. Do you understand the impact that men have in their family? We get people to lead in their community, lead in their jobs, but you have to do it courageously. This week... I'm so, glad that, I'm so glad we have visitors today. We have visitors usually every week, but I'm so thankful for some of these people to be here. I'm so thankful for some of to see you guys back, and I'm so thankful that some of the Connection natives are still he, are here too because I wanna, we're going to revisit something that's very familiar to some of us, but for some of us, maybe not. We're going to revisit a little bit of our vision as a church. John Maxwell is a leadership writer and he says that revisiting, leader, re, revisiting vision should be something that happens quarterly, four or five times a year. Revisit the mission. Revisit the vision. Where are you going? What are you doing? So this morning we're going to look at God's courageous call for us to be the church. What does it mean to be the church? And I ask, this, I ask myself these questions. Hmm. What does it mean to be the church? I believe that the church is a tool that God uses to grow and encourage people to strengthen people in their faith. A church should not be a place like four walls and a window, but rather it should be a movement. But a movement of what? I spent some time this week on my own, by myself, driving around Mount Vernon. And if you don't live in Mount Vernon, just picture that I drove around your town because it's not different. 
We just have more people probably than you have if it's around here anywhere. It's the same. The same things occur in your town that occur in Mount Vernon. Here's what I saw. I drove around town by myself. You know what I saw? I saw people that were hurting. If you, go, if you live in another town, there's people that hurt in your town. I saw people that are discouraged by life, by things that happen to them in this life. I saw people that need a relationship with God, but more than that, they need to understand first that God loves them. You know, there's many people that live around you that don't know. They've maybe never been told that God loves them. Or if they've heard that God is a quote-unquote father, their physical father was, was bad to them and they want nothing to do with this father God person. They need to know that God loves them. People need to be helped. People need to be helped. I helped a couple people this week. You know what I did? I know this is going to shock you. I literally picked up my phone and I listened. I talked when they asked me to talk. Asked when they, when they, I talked when they asked me questions. But I literally was just there. Was just there. I didn't feel like I did anything. You know what I mean? When you, we talk to somebody and you just listen. And they say, oh, thank you for listening. And you're like, I did. Or they say, thank you for helping me. And I'm like, I didn't do anything. But listening. I began to listen to these people, these couple people that I talked to this week that began to pour out things that had happened in their life that weren't good. They had not been dealt a good hand of cards. And I know that's everywhere. But God desires for us as a church to meet those needs. It's easy to look. I saw on Facebook, I talked to you about this last week, about leading, okay, about the dad's leading. Maybe it was the week before, but there's... There's a, a picture, and it's, it's uh, like an older Egyptian-style painting. And it's got Pharaoh way up on top, and he's got a whip. And there's a pyramid of people that are pulling whatever he's sitting on. And it's, it's a picture. And some people think that's leadership, or that's what a church should be. Oh, you command people to do what you want them to do. The next one is my favorite. Because where Pharaoh is sitting is empty. And Pharaoh, or the church, whatever you want to put there, is in the front of that pyramid, and he's helping pull. That's how the church should move. It shouldn't be a leader going like this, down. Listen, we have members of this church. We have leaders in this church that are trying to create that horizontal relationship with people because they have a vertical relationship with God. See, whenever sin happened... We lost the horizontal. Adam lost the horizontal. I talked about this yesterday in our church planning meetings. But when Adam, Adam and Eve sinned in, in Genesis chapter 3, we lost the horizontal relationship with God. Adam literally walked beside God in the Garden of Eden. And when sin happened, listen, it separated us. Vertical. Now we have to do the horizontal, but it takes the vertical first. So what does the church do? If you have your worship handout, we're going to be in this a couple times today. If you have this purple piece of paper, there was someone this morning, maybe a group of people, that got up a little bit earlier to come to church today. And their only job, you know what their only job was? I say their only job. They did more than one. Their job is to hand you one of these when you walk in. It's called our worship handout. But those are people that are part of our first impressions. I saw some of our people this morning, and they, they had no idea that I was spying on them, but I was. Because I knew that I was going to preach about this, and I knew that I could, watch this, I knew that I could so I could brag on them. How awesome. How awesome when people give themselves to do God's work. 
And I saw first impressions people meet people as soon as they came in. And they said, hey, my name is so-and-so. What's your name? Cool. Where are you from? That's great. There's popcorn and coffee over here. The bathroom's around the corner. You come in, have a seat wherever you want. But if you open the very first page of your worship handout in the middle, right here, there's going to be some blanks to fill in. We're going to see some blanks on the screen. Um, if, you have a, if you have something to write with, if you're sitting some, beside somebody with a connection t-shirt on and they have something to write with, say, hey, give me your pen and the person with a connection shirt on, they can go up and get another pen, okay? They know where they are. You think I'm joking. I'm serious. All right, now check this out. Your first blank, it says this. Connection exists to build people as God would want. We exist to build people in relationship with God. Now, if you look, after you fill those two words out, if you flip back up to the front of, of, your, of your worship handout, you can, read, you can read what I'm getting ready to say. Underneath the connection, a faith, fan, a faith community, it says we exist to connect with God's heart and the hearts of others, becoming friends with all people as we what? As we live and love like who? Like Jesus. See, a lot of times we want to go through life and do what we want, don't we? But connection exists to build people as God would want. We exist to build people. Matt, what in the world is build people? We're going you know, we're gonna, to we're gonna make, make some weight rooms here. Maybe we do a, a CrossFit box in the back. Maybe we can, we can do things like that. We're going to build people. <laughs> Next week you can get whey protein with your coffee. I don't know. <laughs> I need some popcorn. Instead of salt, can we sprinkle creatine on it? Okay. Build people. Listen, building people physically... Building people physically is not the goal of the church. Listen, building people with a relationship spiritually with God is the job of the church. It's the job of the church. People building. All we've got to do is build up people spiritually. Well, what's the holdup? <laughs> You're working with people. People are easy to work with, right? All right, no out loud comments. I know where some of you work. What's not? Listen, people building can be difficult. <laughs> if you've ever tried to drag a mule, a cow, some type of livestock that didn't want to go where you wanted it to go, some people are exactly like that. I've been there, I've been that stubborn. Oh no, God, I just want to stay here, do what you want to me. I want, I'll do what you want here. It's comfortable here. I like it here. And your livestock that you're trying to move, maybe, maybe there's no more food and you're, all you're trying to do is get them through the gate and there's a whole pasture full of good stuff to eat. That's what God's doing with us sometimes. He says, Matt, I want to move you from here, go through this gate because I have this for you and all I want to do is put my brakes on. See, that's how I had to put myself in there because none of you act like this. I put myself there. People can be difficult to work with. A people builder. Who are we going to talk about? We're going to look at the Old Testament today. And before we get into our Bibles, I'm going to give you some time to turn there. But we're going to be in a book called Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a great wall builder. But we're going to see today that not only was he a wall builder, he was a people builder. He got people to do, to come together in a way that many could not. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. Listen, if you have your phone, 
get it out, check it out, wherever Nehemiah is. You go to the table of contents. If you flip your Bible open to the middle and you get Psalms, if you're lucky enough to get Psalms, go left. Okay, go left. You go Psalms, Job, Esther, Nehemiah. If you don't know where it is, check out the table of contents. I'll give you a page number. Just turn to that page. If you don't have either, we're going to have it on the screen. But let me give you a little bit of background before we get into Nehemiah. Oh, boy. The people in Jerusalem were hurting. They were feeling insecure. Why? They didn't have a wall around their city. If you didn't have a wall around your city in biblical times, not good. You were susceptible to any attack. You would be defeated so easy. So they were anxious. They were always upset. Man, I don't know what's going on. They were hurting because they were feeling insecure. You ever felt insecure? Now we're not talking about a wall already. We just go into this with you. Have you ever feel insecure? You ever feel like you're inadequate? Oh, my, our city's not inadequate. Let's just transfer that to 2015. That's a lie that I get told all the time. And you know what I have to say? Satan, I just need you to shut your mouth, please. God's promised that he has plans for me to take care of me. And I have to keep reloading that gun and shooting scriptures. Sometimes the feeling of inadequacy is awful. In the time of Nehemiah, cities under a big, large wall felt secure. Jerusalem had no such wall. They were susceptible to danger. They were susceptible to be taken over. For the people of Jerusalem, there was no wall. No wall to offer protection. Why? Because the enemy had destroyed it. The enemy had taken it down. Matt, what in the world are you talking about? Building, being a church, talking about a wall. Let me tell you something. When you associate with people at church, when you do as God commands, it says don't neglect meeting together. When you get that, when you get that kind of, that, that injection, that boost, when you come here on Sunday morning, when you hang out with family, it builds just another little bit of layer to that wall. You feel secure. You can, this is a place to feel safe. This is a place to feel secure. That God has you here for a reason. Their enemy had destroyed it, so what'd they do? If your wall gets torn down, what do you do? You try to rebuild it. Listen, they tried. <laughs> they tried. But they could not get the job done. Want to know why? They were dealing with people. <laughs> Different ideas. If you've ever worked on a construction project and you didn't have any plans, it's just two really good carpenters doing one job. Oftentimes, their set of blueprints in their head may or may not match the set of blueprints in this guy's head. You understand? Maybe, maybe, maybe you ladies or, or guys that like to cook or bake, if you come over to my house and maybe we have a different, we have a different recipe for, for smoking pork loin. And, I, and you, you tell me your recipe and I say, well, that'll never work. <laughs> that'll never work. It's not the, watch this, because I'm... It's so easy, and our words are so fast. Immediately, I think, That's gotta, that can't be as good as mine. <laughs> you don't wrap yours in bacon? Pfft, why not? See, we, we, we get into this self-confidence. But when you have to work with a group of people, a bunch of people that have different ideas, and they won't follow leadership, your wall's not going to get built. It's not going to get built. They felt that the building the wall was an overwhelming task. Oh, they, they used words like this. They had a lack of motivation. They were inadequate to meet the challenge. God, there's no way. How about this? 
2015. God, there's no way you can possibly use me if you can see inside me, which you can. So you know what kind of person lives in here. Inside Matt's is scared little kids sometimes. How in the world can you use me? God, I'm not adequate enough to do this. You can find someone else. And he said, no. No, no. I called you. Or he called you to do a job, to build the wall. They faced discouragement. They faced criticism. And Nehemiah, as we're going to see, wanted to help them. This is his home. This is his home. This is his people. This is his ancestors. This is his relatives. Oh, I want to help you. I want to help you. He saw the destruction. He saw the discouragement in their face. Have you ever been in this place? Now, think about this. Have you ever tried to accomplish something in your life for God? Maybe you had an addiction. You try to get over that addiction, and you keep falling. You get over this, and you keep falling. Man, I want to, God, I want to be better with my money, and you keep falling. You try to make a budget, and you keep falling. And there's someone, there's been someone in your life that saw you were struggling, or they saw, man, I can really help them. And it was one of those people that didn't shout down, hey, you need to just do this, follow these plans, and you'll get it. It was one of these people, hey, you know what? I understand exactly what you're going through. Would you let me help you? And you know, if this has happened to you, you understand at the difference of leadership pointing down and leadership walking side by side. It's different. And that person saw in you the potential. Nehemiah saw potential, by the way. He saw potential. And he, and, he, and he came alongside these people. And he saw their discouragement. And he knew that the wall was destroyed. He knew it wasn't any good. And they had to rebuild it. And yes, it was a daunting task. Yes. But because he honored God, this is what he said. I'll do it. If I'm permitted to do it, I'll do it. We get to see up close Nehemiah's perspective in his own words. Check this out. Look at, if you have your Bibles with you on the screen, you can look on your phone. Here we go. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. Look at this. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah. Oh, time out. I'm reading a book right now. It's the memoirs of uh, a guy with the last name of James. He's in the Bow Hunting Hall of Fame. And it's a recall, it's a recall recollection of all his hunts. And, uh, and how God worked in his life to do the things that he got to do. And you know why they call it memoirs? Because he wrote it. See, this is coming from his perspective. Okay, and we go on. There are, these are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hasaliah. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Okay, there's a whole lot of stuff. There's a whole lot of huge names Looks Egyptian, looks weird, looks old. Why? He gives a time, he gives a month, he gives a year, and he gives a place. You know why? Because it happened. Physically. You can go back in secular history and look up these places. You can look up this king. And people want to, they want to doubt the Bible. They said, oh, it's just a group of stories that are put together. Listen, you don't write the memoirs of yourself and say all of this stuff to make up a big story. These are, these are researchable items. Look at verse 2. Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. Now, they were concerned for the people. Okay? They came to see Nehemiah. They were concerned. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how the things were going in Jerusalem. Hey, guys. 
How's back home? How's back home? See, this is nothing different than we do today. Yesterday, I had company. There were some people that used to own a store that me and my sister used to work for in Hudsonville. And they drove down, and they saw my parents, and then they came over, and we all had, we all had supper. And you know what some of the questions I asked? Was, hey, is Woody still doing automotive repair down by the gas station? Yeah! Cool. Is Heartland Baptist, have they, have they, how are they doing? Oh, they're doing good, good, good. How's Mr. Newland? How's Mr. Rumler? Guys that I worked for at the school, oh, hey, they're still there. They're doing well. One of them's actually the, the regional superintendent now. Wow. So you have concern for home, where you used to live, where you used to be. Nehemiah was no different. He said, how are the people? The captivity. They'd been in captivity. They'd been in slavery. Listen, captivity of something can cause you to feel beaten down and defeated. I want to tell you something. You know that God is bigger than captivity? Not just people that were in captivity in Egypt. I want to let, I want to let you know something. There are people that have, that have decided to, that, they, that they need help. They have, they have went past their denial said, God, I need you to help me. And they have laid down their pride and their ego. And they have showed up to this crazy event that we have on Friday nights. It's called Celebrate Recovery. That's Matt. That's good, Matt. You talk about it. <laughs> Come and hang out with me at Celebrate Recovery. Oh, you don't need. Yeah, I'm human. I'm going to be completely, completely transparent with you. I have seen what God has done in my life with that word. I have been held captive for a long time with a lot of stuff, and I want to let you know that God is still in the business of freeing people from captivity. I don't care if it's depression, you have addictions, you have hang-ups, you have hurts, you have depression, you have anger. I don't care what it is. God is still in the business in bringing you out of that captivity and giving you that life that Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 29, 11. I'm going to give you a hope for a future. It's for good and not to hurt you. It's good, Matt. But God, it seems impossible. See, These guys are saying the same thing. It seems impossible to build this wall. It seems impossible to get over this thing. I've had it for so long. God is still in the business. Verse 3, they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. Their life's not good. Why? They're susceptible to danger. They have no wall. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Spiritually, in your life in the last week, month, year, has your insecurity been knocked down like a piece of toy wall? Do you think that everything that comes at you is just out to get you? You have no protection of that wall. Listen, this is what the church is supposed to do courageously. We walk beside our people and say, hey, listen, I remember, man, I walk beside people, and some, and some of you will say, man, you don't need to, you don't need to share this. It's, it's like you're being too personal. And I have to tell what God has done in my life. Sometimes that's the, only, that's the only something that somebody will hear. It's me going beside someone and say, I understand exactly what depression is. Oh. 
I know what kind of dark that is in your life. I know what kind of negative things go on in your head. I know how you act. I know how you pull away and I know how you isolate. If you have been through any of that stuff, you are understanding every word that I'm saying. See, things were not good. I had insecurity. Do we care enough to walk beside those people? That's my question. Do we care enough to courageously live out the church, what the church is supposed to do? Look at verse 4. When I heard this, this is Nehemiah speaking again. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted, means I didn't eat, and prayed to the God of heaven. He was so concerned about the, just the well-being of his people that he for days wept, didn't eat, made God understand, let God understand that he was very serious in his prayer. You know, food's a necessity. Fasting is a biblical manner of you, when you give up something to say, God, this is important to me. He sees it. And for days, listen, I have a question for you. Nehemiah was concerned for people. He was concerned that that they have the protection that they need. And I have a question to ask you. Are you concerned about our community and those around us to this degree? I have a challenge for you. If you can't answer that question, I want you to ask God to show you things. And I want you to just drive down the main drag of Mount Vernon all the way out to Lowe's. I want you to turn around and I want you to come back one time. I want you to go to the mall. I want you to go to Walmart or Aldi's or wherever. And I want you to just ask God to show you the hurt that's going on around us. So we don't take time to look at that. We just think, oh, if my wall's good, I'm good. I have protection. I'm good. We have no time to teach people to build up their own. Listen, there's hurt everywhere. I was driving in my truck the other day. hurt. I physically and emotionally hurt for people that I saw. Well, Matt, you're just seeing them stereotypically. Just that maybe they don't have as much money as you or they don't have this. Listen, I could see it in the face. They had no hope. No hope. Those are the people that this church is wanting to minister to. The hurt, the broken. Why do, we, why do we want to minister to broken? Because if you have dove in and got our connection vision, you've realized that, hey, there may be some brokenness in my life. I can relate to somebody. I know what it's like to be down on my luck. We fast forward a little bit. We, go, we jump over to Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 2. Watch this. So the king, uh-oh, the king sees Nehemiah. He asks this question. He says, why are you so sad? You don't look sick to me. You seem deep, you seem, you must be deeply troubled. And then I was terrified. But I replied, he goes on, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? Now, the king asked him, why are you so sad? Why are you moping around? Why are you moping around? Well, king, you don't, now the king's somebody you had to respect. 
When the king talked to you, long live the king. I, 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 don't want any, I don't want any trouble. I'm sorry for being sad. I'm sorry for being this. How can I not be sad? Look at he goes on. For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. There's insecurity in the lives of my people. And I have a question. Again, does Nehemiah's thinking relate to what you think? Does it affect you that people are hurting? Does it affect you that we have people that hurt that are sitting in this building right now? Now, they may not or may or may not have been that. But there are people that are hurting in here right now. People that have relationship stuff. People that have other things going on. People that may not have a relationship with some of their family members. People that are going through, they've been through a divorce or they've been through this or there's somebody in their family that's not good in health. Listen, hurt is all kinds of things and we're a big enough crowd to where it's in here. Does it affect you enough? Do you have enough time to see that people are hurting and be willing to help? In verse 4 he goes on, the king asks, well, how can I help? This is, a, this is a big deal. The king does not have to help anybody. Why? He's the king. Somebody comes into his court and he doesn't like it. He's like the queen of hearts. Off of their head. Off of his head. No, no, no. Get away. Don't. Yeah. He's ultimate power. What he says goes. But the king asks, well, Nehemiah, you've been faithful to me, basically. How can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven. This is Nehemiah talking, but before we get there, he says this. He wanted to be led by God. Nehemiah wanted to be led by God. He did not want to do his own thing. Why? Because Nehemiah understood if he did it. How about this? Have you ever tried to do anything on your own? Without asking God's help? Oh, yeah. See, here's the deal. If there's addictions, hurt, and hang-ups in your life, and you still have them, chances are you've tried to get rid of them by yourself. You know, why, you know why you still have them? Because <laughs> you try it by yourself. See, Nehemiah right here, he says, I have to have God's help. I need God's help. We struggle with this. Why? We want to fix it. Guys, I don't care if, you, if your wife thinks you're lost driving around, and you say, no, I'm not, and I don't get, some of you even have your Google on your phone to this side, she said, no, you, she can't see it. You're like, we're not lost. I know exactly where we are. We just can't quit. No, I'm right. I have to do it myself. Or we like to do this. Some people open up a box. Now, I am not mechanically inclined. You, I can break anything. Anything. Putting it back together, not so much. So my wife has me do, I know some of you, you guys open a ceiling fan, you're like, it's up. And that thing is like spread out. And I'm like, place the screw in A through the fan blade B. That's how I read it. Now, some of you think that they're suggestions. They're not instructions. They're just suggestions. Some people think that the speed limit. I teach driver's ed. Some people think that the speed limit is just a suggestion. There's consequences, by the way. Here's, here's a consequence. I, didn't, I messed up one wire. One Wire. If you know how a ceiling fan goes on, you understand that it basically goes backwards and then up, and then you reverse everything and, and take it to the ceiling. It's awful. <laughs> it should like come already done, have a great big bracket and go, zoom, zoom, done. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Just plug it into the ceiling. That'd be great. 
you to come over to the house. Matt, why do you have 17 box fans? Because I hate ceiling fans. No, we don't. We have ceiling fans. <laughs> hey, laughter's so good. Laughter's so good, but I have to use the instructions. I can't, I can't think of instructions as suggestions because it doesn't work. I put up the ceiling fan above our bed in our bedroom. And if you've put one up, you understand this. You flip the power back on, you go over to the switch, and you go, and you wait. Okay. You just immediately, oh. and I had a ground that wasn't connected well, and I had to go all the way back through it. But we try to fix it ourselves. I had to call someone. I don't, I'm not good with electricity. I had to call someone. I said, I called James Johnson. I said, James, if you can, if you could please come over to my house, and he could tell that I was upset. He said, well, what are you feeling like? I said, well, I'm feeling like taking a 33-inch baseball bat, which I do know how to use, and not making that fan a fan anymore. I think I can take it off the wall with a couple swings. He goes, I'll be right over. Don't swing. And he came over and he said, well, your problem is the ground. And then we fixed it, and we looked over to the light switch, and I went, and it was working. And I gave him a high five and a hug and a bed of meals, and I, just, I was glad it was fixed. But I couldn't do it on my own. We like to try to fix it on our own, don't you? Don't I? Man, we're so egotistical. God, the creator of the universe, desires to have a relationship with us. And we're too egotistical and prideful to say, oh yeah, I need your help. He spoke things into being. Your problems are not problems to him. Simple. He just asks you to trust him. We want to throw money at it, just take care of it. We are not patient with how God wants to fix it. God, I'm giving you a timetable on this. Please, I'm guilty of this. Some of you are too. God, I'm giving you a timetable. This person needs to understand they need to have a relationship with you in this much time or I'm going after them. Listen, we, how egotistical are we that we can take care of it ourselves? Look at verse 5. Nehemiah replied, if it pleases the king, if you, are, if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Basically, he was asking this, let me become involved in their lives. Let me help them. Now, you know the only way that this is going to work and he's going to get to go is if Nehemiah has honored God in his relationship to his boss. If he's been found faithful as a servant of the king is the only way he's going to be allowed to go. So we look. Verse 6. The king with the queen sitting beside him. They're in the court. Okay? They're hanging out in the chambers with these people. How long will you be gone? When will you return? What are your plans? You see, it's one thing to drive down Mount, Mount Vernon's roads and to come back and say, Matt, I'm so concerned about our town. If you come to me and say, I'm so concerned with our town, I say, good, now what's your plan? I was told a very long time ago, I came to someone, I said, you know, I think we could do a little bit better, this, uh, do this a little bit different, and we do this way. And that person comes to me and he says, do you have a plan to fix it? No, I don't. I was just asking you. Do not come to me unless you have a plan to fix it. Oh, this is a little sharp the first time I heard it. It was necessary for me to hear. I'm like, well, we'll just, I'll just fix it. I'll just do what I want. He said, listen, 
you're going to be in this role one day when people come up to you and they say this. Listen, you have to be able to work with people. Learn to dance with them like John Maxwell says. Learn to add change to their pocket. Learn to, learn to move. Learn to lead. Nehemiah. The queen, the king asked him, how long will you be gone? When, when will you return? Basically, what do you plan to do? He goes on. After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. There is no way that he wasn't a faithful servant to this king. There's no way. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't be allowed to leave. Verse 7. I also said to the king, if it pleases the king... Now, you ever written a Christmas list that's like absolutely out of this world? You know what I mean. Now, some of you are not being honest. Yes, you have. You know... Dear Santa Claus, I need a 338 Lapua tactical. Some of you have no idea what that is. It's a sniper rifle. It's really cool. It shoots bullets like this. It's awesome. You know, Mary says, yeah, you can have one if I somehow randomly get eight grand. It's a Christmas list that's out of this world. I'm not going to get it. Why? I have no use for it. Well, you shoot coyotes like here to Blueford. But anyway, but why? Why? We, we ask these things. Now, we're, th- we're going to look at this and we're going to see We're going to see that Nehemiah asks physically something that is absolutely crazy. He's going to to be faithful, and he's going to ask for what he needs. Are we faithful in what we need to ask for it? God, I need your help. Look, he goes on. So verse 7. Now, he's writing this. He says, so I also asked, or I also said to the king. Can you imagine? I don't want to mess this up. If it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter assigned to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me lumber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. Do you have the boldness to ask God what you need and ask him for it? Your wall may be torn down in your life. You talk about bold. This dude, if he says the wrong word, he doesn't have a head anymore. And he asks for, okay, I need you to write your buddy, because I'm mean, going through his land. Okay, I need safe travel through there. And then, not only that, whenever I get to the forest, could you write another letter to your buddy? I'll, I'll give it to him whenever I'm there. And say, oh, he needs all the timber that he can use. Nehemiah was led by God and he had the boldness. Look what it goes on to say. And the king granted these requests because the gracious gracious hand of God was on me. God always helps those people who try to build up others. When you're in that, listen, I can tell you of of conversations that I've had that God himself was just in it. And I can't explain anything else. He was just in it. I was able to just to give them God's words that they needed to hear. I thought to myself many times, God, I'm just going to do what you want me to do. He goes, good, that's all you need to do. Just get out of the way. So often we want to get in the way. If you have your purple piece of paper, listen to the next, or look at the next worship handout blank. It says, Nehemiah demonstrated the qualities of a people builder as he led them to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. Now, there's going to be three things here. Okay, look at this. Believe that we serve God when we build people. In chapter 2, verse 20, Nehemiah replied. He says, the God of heaven will help us succeed. The God of heaven will help us succeed. Listen, as he said, 
Because I'm Nehemiah, we, we succeed. No, he says, because of God. He says, we, his servants, will start rebuilding the wall. The people had already tried it. They failed. They stopped. The people wanted their way. They became divided. Now, I know you've never seen anybody get into an argument. Can you imagine that? You know, th- just geographically, in this area where it's arid and it's, hum- or it's just hot. You know how well you work with people in air conditioning. Think about this. Think about working with people outside when it's sweaty and it's hot and you're thirsty and you're hungry. And tempers flare easy. But now they followed Nehemiah because he had a plan. God desires dedication. God desires our dedication to serve God and what he wants. Many times we do this. Unfortunately, many times we do this. Instead of becoming servants of God and doing what he wants us to do, we become like a leech. They're disgusting little animals. We were pulling nets in the river the other day, and I got a, I got a leech on my arm. It bit the snot out of me. Started, I'm like, Ugh. and they don't go away like that. I'm talking like pliers. Mm. And they, don't, they, just, they just hang on, and they grab on. We become like that. We take much more than we ever give. Sometimes workers give greatly, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes our givers give money, but we don't. Sometimes we give our energy and time, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes you give through inviting people to this experience or connect group, but you don't. If we believe that connection is what God wants us to do, if we are going to focus on the vision for connection, we are involved with building up people with their relationship with our Heavenly Father. We have to be. We have to be. We have people, for example, workers with preschool. They send letters to their preschool children. They send birthday cards to their kids that come. Everything we do is for the purpose of making possible the building up of people. Do you know that if you have little, ki- little children and they're in Kids Rock or they're in Baby Gap or they're back in those classrooms, I don't care if they're zero or fifth grade. They are being taught and they're being built up that God loves them. He has a plan for them. They're, they're learning truth about bi- of the Bible. They're learning truth about what God is. And every Sunday that they continue, they get another block on that wall, another block on that wall, maybe another memory verse in their back pocket for their gun. Because when Satan attacks them, they can say, oh no, listen, I serve a God that's this big, and one day you will kneel to him. I don't have to listen to your lies because they have in, been inputted the truth. We have to believe that we serve God. Look at the next blank in your worship handout. We work in cooperation with others. Oh, that's not good, Matt. You could have put anything else in here except this one. Some of you have a shirt at home in your closet that says, does not play well with others, don't you? Hmm? We work in cooperation with others. In chapter 2, verse 18, they, the workers, replied all at once, yes, Let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. If you have gone on Old 15 and went by Campground Baptist Church, you want to talk about some dudes that can work together quickly. Carpenters for Christ, who actually built this building, they put that extension on their building up in a hurry. Yes, they were running from the rain of trying to avoid, but they did it in a hurry. Do you think they were going to accomplish that when they argue? It's my turn to run the drill. No, it's not. It's mine. Hey, we're not acting like six-year-olds. 
If we read more of the story, we see that Nehemiah, he assigned various tasks to different people. They were all busy. Watch. He kept them all busy. He was a great foreman. He kept them all busy, but they were all doing a different thing. They were all doing a different thing. I helped pour concrete a couple weeks ago. I'm telling you, I can break anything. All I was, all I was there to do, pull the concrete, pull the wire, pull the concrete. And I watched, after we got it all in the form, I sat back and watched this gentleman with the most unbelievable skill of finishing and he was bull floating it. And they were doing the edges. And they, were, and they were doing all this. And then the guy comes in and uses the broom. And then the guy comes in with a concrete saw. So if it cracks, he's going to crack where he wants it to crack. It's not me. I was just there to pull up the wire and drag concrete. That's all I did. But I did my part. And he told me, I said, I said, I don't feel like I'm doing anything. Is there anything? Can I wash tools or something? Can I do something? And he said, if you didn't do this small part, That metal wouldn't get up in there. It would not be as strong. You were actually doing something very, very important. Okay. (laughs) It just didn't, ever done something that doesn't seem significant? All I'm doing is I have a hook and I'm pulling wire. That's all I'm doing. All these other guys got all these cool, you know, they got like, they got trowels out here. They got all kinds of like bull floats and all kinds of cool tools. And I've got a hook and a handle. I'm like, "Mm, okay. But working in cooperation with others, when we were finished, everybody did their own job. Guess what? We got done faster, and it was done. Are we doing our part? Like Nehemiah, you were created by God with energy and strength. Use that to get here today, by the way. God gave you these to help you build up people. But all of your energy and strength means absolutely nothing if you're sitting on the sidelines. You can have all the energy and all the stuff in the world. If you're sitting in the dugout, you cannot make a contribution. I talked with a guy yesterday. We were watching the Cardinals game. And I was watching this pitcher. And he gets up. And for the life of me, I don't understand this. I do not understand this. I'd never face major league pitching in the major leagues. But here's the deal. I do not understand. I do not comprehend how a guy that can throw a 90-some-odd mile-an-hour fastball and have all athletic ability in his life to play Major League Baseball cannot bunt. I do not understand. Put the bat on the ball. That's all you got to do. Now, some of you are like, I can't bunt. Okay, but if you played baseball, bunt the ball. Instead, they miss the first one, he swings at a bad pitch, and then he strikes out. And I'm thinking, oh, well, that was no use. Bunt the ball. See, if he does his part, he moves the runners over so they can score with a hit. See, everything has a, everything has a thing. We have one or two options. We can either watch or we can join. Look at Nehemiah 8.1 on the screen. All the people assembled with a unified purpose. If you've seen these baseball t-shirts or these football t-shirts, and they say T-E-A-M, team, together, everyone achieves more. Listen, in a church, it's the same way. Can you imagine if everybody decided that the, the sidelines were no fun, we all want to get involved. Hey, guess what? There's not a limit on number of people on the field in church. Did you know that? What a cool rule. You only put 11 in football. You can only put 9 in baseball. You can put as many as you want to on the field at church. And watch this. The more people that you put on the field, the more people you help rebuild their walls, the more times they multiply. And guess what God does? He says, look at who I can reach with these people. But you can't do it if you're out of the game. 
Look at your worship handout. Number three, it says get past your differences and be committed to the task God wants. Get past your differences and be committed. Man, we get hung up on this stuff all the time. I don't like him because he voted this way. I don't like them because they voted this way. I don't like this because he drives this and I don't. He has this house and I don't. Listen, get past it. Learn to be thankful. Get past it. You know, every time you want to do that, you're just knocking one of your cinder blocks off your wall. You're becoming more susceptible because you're not thankful for what God's wanted to do in your life. Look, at, look on the screen. Look at, look at Nehemiah 3.2 and 3.5. What's this? People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zachur, son of Imri. And 3.5, in the first part, it says, next were the people from T- Tekoa. See, here, they worked together. Now, I know, if you, if you had a rival team in high school, here's what you're probably not going to ever see. You're not going to see somebody from Albion, Edwards County, with an Edwards County letter jacket on, probably driving over and hanging out with somebody that goes to Fairfield High School. And just hanging out, especially if they play sports against each other. Harrisburg, El Dorado. Not good. Okay, just, just, how about this? If, you guys were, if anybody was at the Cardinals game yesterday... Just put a Cubs Ron Santo jersey on and just walk right down the middle of all the family of all the Cardinals fans. I can do you one better. In 1998, I went to Wrigley Field and I wore my Mark McGuire shirt. I had, it's a free country. You know what the you know what the problem was? The Cubs were playing the Braves. The Cardinals were not even in town. But do we get the idea of different people working together? But it's those people. Listen, you know what, you know what I also saw? When, when, um, when, when Jack Buck, I believe it was Jack Buck, when he, when, he, when he sang the seventh inning stretch, take me out of the ball game, and he wore both the Cardinals and the Cubs, and they came together because they were unified on the, just the love of the game, and everybody came together. I wonder what would happen if we just take off these hats that we, that we so-call, we, we have to be a part of this club and we throw them over here and we all pick up the same jersey and say, I'm working to build people's lives. I'm, I'm, God is going to use me to build people's walls up for God. I wonder what would happen. We have to get past the differences. We're different people. Look at your worship handout. To build people, we must leave our individual comfort zones and get involved in what God wants connection to do. Or if you're visiting with us... Listen, get out of your comfort zone and get involved with what God wants you to do wherever you go to church, where you play, where you go to work. See, God is in the business. Man, I don't know. I can't tell you how much time I've wasted in this little underlying thing right here. Individual comfort zone. God, I'm comfortable here. I don't need to move. Man, I have so much for you. But God, I'm comfortable. I'm good. I don't need to be stretched anymore. I don't need to exercise my faith anymore. I don't need to build people up anymore. If you just knew what I had for you. It's called faith. It's one thing to say, I want to be a part of God's vision and connection. It's another thing to say, I want to serve God. But it's a whole other ballgame to say, I'll cooperate to do the first two. This is why connection exists. If If connection is going to be the church God wants it to be, then the people of connection must get involved in being people builders. Many of, us are do- many of you are doing a great job. This is just an invitation. It's a revisitation of our vision of why we do what we do. And why do we give away gas? It's gas. People go, why do you give? We're, gonna get ready to get- We're getting ready to give away money. What in the world are you doing? 
I have some people, they said, they said, well, I thought you were wanting to get concrete for your, for, your, for your church building in your parking lot. I said, we do eventually. He goes, well, you've already thrown away $10,000 that could have went towards concrete. And I just looked at him, and I was terribly sad, and I said, you do not get it, do you? You don't get it. You don't get it that a bag of 50 or 60 bucks is worth more than $100,000 of concrete. You don't have a clue. You don't, you don't get it. You don't understand. Impacting people, building people's lives. If you're looking for a place to plug in, you say, man, maybe I do need to get plugged in. You can check out this on the inside cover. You can check this. There's places to get involved. If you, if you get our community email, there's places and people that I put in there that you can talk to to plug in. Listen, if you call Jack Bain and say, hey, I play guitar, it's not going to be very long. He's going to get a hold of you, I promise. You call Jack and say, oh, I play a trumpet, or I play this, or I play this. It's not going to take him too long to call you. It's not going to take people that are involved with CR or First Impressions to call you. If you're not getting plugged in, plug in. Does anybody have the touch someone's life gift money? I know, this is where we get all nervous. One, two, good night. Holy smoke. Okay. For those of you that don't go to Connection, realize that we've been doing this over a couple years, and some people have just got this into their DNA. You heard me earlier. I said quarters, nickels, and dimes, didn't I? $386. There's going to be three bags of $128.75. And I would like to ask, uh, let's see, Ivan, would you give away one of these bags? Chris, everybody, would you give one of these bags away? I know some of you, you're thinking, oh, there's only one left. I don't know if he's going to ask me or not. Miriam Hester, how about that? Yeah. There you go. You know what? We, we at Connection have, have seen things. By the way, the, these bags, and we don't do it for this. We just do it to show people that God loves them. If somebody was walking around the park, around the lake in Mount Vernon, and one of these crazy people from Connection came up with this brown paper bag. Now, I know that sounds a little bit, a little bit odd. But they literally came up with a brown paper sack and said, our church does this, and we just want to give you this and bless you with it. You know what the first, one of the first things that that person did with it? Blew up Facebook. Here's, here's the deal. She's friends with some people from Connection. That's my church. That's cool. Listen, this bag can go to the poorest person in Mount Vernon or to the richest person in Mount Vernon. The only thing it is, it goes and says, we love you. But as much as we could possibly love you with this monetary amount, God loves you so much more. God desires to have a relationship with you. God desires to build that wall up in you, but we can't do it on our own. As a church, we're charged to live courageously, to build those walls up with people, with connect group, with worship. Man, that was fun today. I love how Jack leads us in worship. It was fun. It was great hearing you sing. And all the people that played the, 
the instruments or they sang up here and they gave of their time. Listen, if you have kids that are back there today in Kids Rock or wherever, I want you to do something for me. Whenever they come out, whenever you're going home in your car, say, hey, what'd you learn today? You know what I'm going to bet they say? I can't tell you exactly what they say, but I bet they learned something. The people that, that give, people that give their time to cook popcorn and the coffee. Listen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As we continue in this vision with connection, as we continue to live courageously, I just ask you that you go home this week. You take a look at your worship handout. You go back over that stuff. God, I need you to help me build this. Build this wall up in me. I've tried on my own and I've failed and it doesn't work. God, I need you. God, I need that relationship with you to get over this hurdle, this obstacle, this thing, this habit. I love you guys. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the opportunity, God, to come into your word to see Nehemiah was a a people builder as well as a wall builder. God, that he was a good servant to the king and was blessed and favored to go do his job. He had conviction for the people that he knew. God, may you give us a heart for this community and those around him. May you give us a desire, God, to dig in, to, to, to make a difference at our work, to make a difference where we play, to make a difference where we vacation, God, that we just dive in and we begin to help other people build up those walls, not because we can help them, God, but you can help us so we can help them. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for our people. Thank you for the giving hearts that they have. Thank you for this opportunity, God, to just hang out with you. Wow, we love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you, God. God, I just ask we have a great day. In your name we pray. Amen.